Good morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. Thank you, Sheila. Beautiful prelude here on this second Sunday of Advent. Welcome today. Welcome to those folks online. We're glad you're here. And it is the second Sunday of Advent. We have that strange, uh, hairy visitor um, in our text today. So um, you're welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, I invite you to prepare ye the way of the Lord. 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 Thank you. Is that from Godspell? Yes. From Godspell. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Welcome. Happy to be here. Happy to be here with all these folks online who are welcoming online. Uh, shout out to Arden and Paul uh, Soyensen who are moving to Everett but are watching online and they're about to celebrate their 65th uh, wedding anniversary here uh, this month. Advent 2, as uh, Carl said, and uh, everything you need is uh, either printed on your bulletin or projected for you, and you'll see that uh, others were here before you. The table is set. The table is set to welcome us to Holy Communion today. So it is good that we are here. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn leading us toward that table and the banquet. Let us go now to the banquet.
Continue with the responsive reading for this morning, the litany for this second Sunday in Advent. In the bleak midwinter, in a season of darkness, in a culture of impatience, we have come to worship God. To confess our brokenness. We have come to God's house in the bleak midwinter. The light shines in the darkness. Open our eyes to your coming. Open our ears to your word. The Advent wreath helps us mark time as we move through the season of Advent towards the celebration of Christmas. Last week, we lit the first candle, which was the prophet's candle. The second candle is a Bethlehem candle. Imagine those preparations going place, uh, uh, taking place in Bethlehem as this scene together uh, starts coming together here before us and here in the altar. So as we, as we light these candles, we'll sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. With you. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus. In the darkness of December, we wait and prepare for your coming. We wait in the stables, crossroads, and sheep covered hillsides of our lives. Come to us. Inspire us to love, to forgive, to serve, to generously live our lives in response. To your grace. Come, Lord Jesus, our hope and our joy. We wait and prepare for your coming. And all the people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A reading from the book of Isaiah. 
The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lay down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. The word of the Lord. And here is another take on that Isaiah reading. And I invite you to sing the refrain along with me whenever it happens. Um, the long-awaited one. And a little child shall lead them, one who is and is to come. And a little child shall lead them, the long-awaited one. A shoot shall grow from Jesse's stem, God's spirit resting there, wisdom, might, and living in awe of God, God's delight, the garment he'll wear, and a little child shall lead them, one who is and is to come, and a little child shall lead them, alone. Righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide for the meek of the earth. He will strike out every wickedness and give peace a chance on earth. And a little child shall lead them, one who is and is to and a little child shall lead them, the long-awaited one. Like the wolf and the lamb, the calf and the lion, all creation will live as one. And none shall hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. A signal to all people, and a little child shall lead them, one who is and is to come, and a little child shall lead them, the A little 
favorite day of the week. <laughs> and it is my favorite day of the week because you all show up. And seeing you come in out of your cars, out of the frost, and across the parking lot, and come in and all start connecting with one another, it's just a beautiful thing. So I thank you for that. I was talking to someone uh, this week in the community, one of our folks, who hasn't been around for a long time, and so I kind of uh, asked them about that, and I said, well, I'm not really sure I believe this anymore. And I said, okay, but is there a group of people you'd rather travel through life with than the people of Trinity Lutheran Church? And they said, well, yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> so thank you for making this the best day of the week for me and for coming out this morning. Appreciate it so much. We're only three weeks now three weeks before Christmas. So are you looking forward to Christmas? Is there a present that you're hoping to receive this year? Or a visit from family members or friends? Or an event or a trip? Are you looking forward to Christmas? Maybe a better question would be, are you looking forward at all? It is, of course, an oversimplification but it seems that children look forward to Christmas, but as the decades slip by and our children grow up, older people, like some of us, spend most of our time looking back. Anticipation is a part of the Advent theme. Anticipation. That's what's going on as we light that Advent wreath. Children anticipate Christmas. They anticipate the break from school, the visit from relatives, the presence under the tree, the arrival of Santa, they look forward to Christmas. Now I should say that looking back is understandable too. After all, no season in the year is more steeped in tradition than Christmas. Beloved Christmas carols are sung with glee, songs decades or centuries old are shared by the young and the old. Christmas trees and Christmas lights, Christmas cards and Christmas cookies, manger scenes, Christmas specials, Frosty and the Grinch, White Christmas and Holiday Inn, Home Alone and It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street and the Griswolds, Christmas Vacation. It's now three weeks before Christmas. Are you looking forward to Christmas? It seems to me that children look forward to Christmas while the older crowd mostly reflects back on Christmas's past, younger days, and those loved ones who are no longer with us. This morning we have a text from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew serves as an historian, a historian preserving the stories and words of Jesus. He is writing history, primarily telling the story of Jesus, and this morning recalling a few events from the life of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Now historians, by definition, look back. They look back in time. The historian Matthew is going to introduce us this morning the prophet John the Baptist. Historians look back. Prophets, like John, look forward. They only look forward. Prophecy is prophecy. Prophets look to the pages of human history that have yet to be written. Historians dig into the details of the unchanging pages of history. The prophets look to the unknown pages of yet to be written in the future. Which way are you looking? Which way are you looking this year? To the unchanging past or to future days and experiences and opportunities? We will hear the testimony of the historian Matthew this morning as we hear also the words of the prophet John the Baptist. These words will help us to live, to live in the present, and to look to the future. Having said that now, just three weeks before the birth of Jesus, we enter the story, and the story takes place some 30 years after his birth. 
Go figure. But it happens this way every year. We can't quite seem to get to Bethlehem. We can't get to Christmas without stopping at the Jordan River, there to encounter this wild-haired cousin of Jesus. Listen now to the historian Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The historian gives us the setting and the message of John the Baptist. The setting is the wilderness of Judea. The wilderness was removed from everyday life. It was out of the way. It was a place to move through on the way to civilization. It was dry. It was barren. It was dangerous. Now, 2,000 years ago, most people lived in very small villages or cities, and there were nomadic people, nomadic people who wandered the countryside with their sheep and their goats, but they were not living in the wilderness. No, they were looking for green pastures. The wilderness was to be avoided by pretty much everyone. The setting is the wilderness, but John the Baptist did not grow up in the wilderness. No, you may remember that John's father, Zechariah, was a priest in Jerusalem. But it would not be so with his son. John rebelled against the old man. He also rebelled against the religious institutions that governed the temple in Jerusalem. And his voice, calling for reform, was not welcomed among the religious people. In fact, John was a threat to the established religious authorities. Repent, he said. Repent. You're going in the wrong direction. The historian Matthew then gives John a little dose of credibility. Matthew writes, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. What's Matthew doing here? Matthew is giving credibility to John's message. Matthew makes it clear that John was just not another prophet. He is to be taken seriously. He is the prophet foretold by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. The historian Matthew then tells us a little bit about John the Baptist. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. That's what we're having at the coffee hour today. <laughs> locust and wild honey living in the wilderness camel's hair, a leather belt. He was a weird one, this John the Baptist. Not the kind of guy that you're going to invite to your Christmas party. He was a bug-eating wild man. Judea's answer to Ernest T. Bass. He did not mince words. And he called for repentance. Now certainly this was not a recipe for success. Certainly he would wander alone through the wilderness. No one would listen to this delusional rants of this prophet. But nothing could be further from the truth. Listen again to the historian Matthew. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. He was not alone. Does this make any sense to you? The Jordan River is 21 miles from Jerusalem. 21 miles, no cars, no buses. I might ask you, would you walk 21 miles to hear one of my sermons? Nope, no need to answer. No need to answer. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't expect you to. So why? Why would they do it? 
And why would they do it in such big numbers? There were hundreds of people walking to the wilderness to hear the message of John the Baptist. The historian wrote it all down. Now, I am quite sure that the people of Judea and Jerusalem would not have walked long miles on the dusty roads of Palestine to hear a history lecture. None of us would walk 21 miles to hear a history lecture. History might be interesting, but it's also unchanging. One might even say that it's dead. Its time is past by definition. People would not walk 21 miles to hear a history lecture. But if our loved one was sick, if our loved one had cancer or heart disease, or if we had a marriage problem or children who needed a doctor, then we would walk 21 miles. We would walk 21 miles in a heartbeat if there was hope, hope for a cure. 2,000 years ago, John preached and John baptized, and we are so removed from that time and that culture that the truth of history is very hard for us to comprehend. Make no mistake about it. John the Baptist preached words of hope. John's preaching was good news. No one travels 21 miles to be told that they are sinners. We have mirrors in our home to remind us of that. Hope. Hope leads us forward. Hope helps us to put one foot in front of the other. Hope lifts the human spirit from the darkness of despair. John the Baptist offered words of hope to those who had been judged harshly by the religious people. John offered words of hope to those who had labored under the oppressive iron fist of the Roman Empire. How's your hope meter? this December. Let's return now and see what the historian Matthew has to say, tell us about the prophet John. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit worthy of repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had also walked 21 miles from Jerusalem to hear the preaching of this wild-haired, bug-eating prophet. They, too, did not come to hear a history lesson. They did not come to hear words of hope. No, they came because John and his counterculture, unorthodox view of Judaism was a threat to their way of life. John's preaching was a threat. Taken seriously, John's preaching could make it harder for the religious people to keep the common people in line under the thumb of the temple establishment. His words could cause insubordination or even rebellion. So John called out their hypocrisy. And he called them to repent of ungodly ways. To do what? To go in a new direction. To let go of oppressive traditions of the past and to move forward into a gospel future. John warned them that their reliance on their lineage, their pride in being the offspring of Abraham, was of no consequence to God, as all children are the children of God. No one is justified by their race, their tradition, their religious practice, or their bloodlines. You don't really think God loves the Jews or the Christians more than the Muslims or the atheists, do you? Historians look back 
and there's much for us to learn from history. Historians look back, but history does not change. There is no hope that we can relive, return to, or change anything that happened in the past. Looking back, are you looking forward? Are you looking forward to Christmas? Prophets, by definition, look forward. The words of the prophets are full of hope. The prophets look at blank pages, black blank pages of human history that have yet to be written. The prophets encourage lost people and lost nations to write a whole new story, a story of peace and justice, compassion and kindness. It's not too late. It's not too late to change. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for me. The story of tomorrow has yet to be written. That's hopeful, is it not? The historian Matthew uses John's words of prophecy to inspire hope. John is not the Messiah, but John tells us that the arrival of the Messiah is close at hand. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. How hopeful is that? The Messiah, the Savior, the most complete revelation of God's love is coming to us. John was preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus began his ministry with a call to repentance. You see, the message of John and Jesus was very much the same. Quite simply, the message is this, and it's not changed in 2,000 years. Here it is. Are you ready? Jesus says, I don't care. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how lost you were in your wandering, rebellious years. I don't care how much time you've spent in the stagnant pages of history. I only care where you're going from here. Because time and life only moves in one direction, and that is forward. You see, sinners did not bother John. It was just those religious people. And sinners did not bother Jesus. It was only the self-righteous religious people who caused both of their bloods to boil. Go and sin no more, Jesus said. I don't condemn you. I believe in you. I believe that you can make something of your life. I believe that the future in front of you is full of hope. I believe that there's a better way of living and loving out there for you. The religious people, the institution, the church that we're a part of has often been more interested in where people have been than where they are going more interested in playing the role of judgmental historian than hopeful prophet. All under the guise of protecting Jesus. The church has sought to exclude everyone who did not fit in, those whose lifestyles, histories, or theologies were perceived as a threat to the institution. We have to protect Jesus from sinners. We need to keep the church pure free from those who have missed the mark. Really? Do we really think that Jesus needs us to protect him? Are we really called to be bodyguards for the master of the universe? Ridiculous. Are you looking forward to Christmas? Are you looking forward to life? Are you looking forward in hope, believing that God is with you or are you looking back with sadness regret and guilt are you stuck in the stagnant reminiscing of days gone by now it may be late for many of us but it's not too late we're still in the game and god is not done with us now perhaps i should ask you this question are you reading a story or are you writing a story? Are you watching the History Channel? Or are you making history? Are you recalling memories? Or are you making new memories? 
Jesus does not ask where you've been. The only question is, where are you going? Look forward to Christmas. Look forward. In a season of Advent, we're encouraged to prepare and wait. Both are hopeful. Both point forward. And both are important. So there you have it. John the Baptist and Jesus, cousins, a promised prophet and the promised Messiah. And they meet us here today in the wilderness, in the darkness, in the bread, in the wine. I don't know about you, but I've walked 21 miles for hope. So I'm going to invite you to walk with me. Let's leave the Jordan River and begin that trek to Bethlehem because a baby is waiting there for us. And nothing is more hopeful than a baby. Amen? I invite you to stand as we sing our hymn of the day, the Canticle of the Turning. Each petition will end. Hear us as we turn to you and our response, our hope, and our joy. Let us pray. God of promise, anticipating your coming light, we pray for the world all that we see and all 
that we do not see. As we busy ourselves in this season of Advent, this already not, already but not yet time, let us remember that we are the people of Jesus, here to make a positive difference for your people in the world. As we hear John's call to repent, to turn, let us honestly look within and turn our hearts toward love as we prepare a way for Jesus, whose love overcomes all the world. Hear us as we turn to you. Guide the rulers of the world and local communities with your spirit of knowledge so that they know justice and offer mercy. May they use their power to renew lives and cities ruined by war, other conflicts, and climate disaster. Guide leaders when they go astray and instill in them a renewed commitment to lift up all people. Hear us as we turn to you. In this season of unrelenting turmoil, here and abroad, we call to you. Our hope is in you. Let us believe in even that which sometimes seems to be beyond believing, that kindness and civility will lead the way, that seeing you in one another will lead us to reconciliation, and that there is always a way forward to your abundant life of love and hope. Hear us as we turn to you. Grant healing to the brokenhearted and to those that suffer in mind, body, or spirit, especially those in grief after the loss of loved ones. Encourage all who care for others. Let us be shares of the light and grace of Christ as we travel each day in the church and beyond these walls. Give us eyes to see the joy, ears to hear the laughter, and hearts to hold each other close. Hear us as we turn to you. Hear the hopes and prayers of our hearts, O God, and magnify our joy at the coming birth of the one who is and was and is to come, Jesus Christ our Savior. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that green of peace. Thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. Um, after the uh, service, come on over to the gym. Coffee, cookies, locusts, <laughs> for you. Also, uh, read carefully every week. Read your bulletin because there are announcements there. Um, we don't announce every single thing that's going on. But uh, we do try to print those in there so you have them. There are also flyers out in the narthex. There are flyers in the gym. So put those on your refrigerator. Um, and uh, I think uh, to begin with, I'm going to call on our volunteer coordinator, Lana Johnson, who jumped a week with the ugly Christmas sweater thing. Was that supposed to be an ugly one? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lana. <laughs> Okay, it's not ugly unless we lose ugly, then it will be ugly. 
um, just we wanted to remind you next Sunday is the ugly Christmas sweater day but if you don't have an ugly Christmas sweater just wear a sweater so probably the thing you should say is I love your sweater okay because you don't know if it's really ugly or not okay so that's the first announcement here's the second one Oh, thank you. Okay, I'm here to announce on December 15th, that's a Thursday, we are having a Christmas luncheon, okay? Sign-ups are out here. We'll have the gym decorated, all the tables, we'll be eating. It's a potluck, so we would love to have some of your favorite traditional Christmas meals, so that would be great, okay? Next one. I love you, Pastor Jim. Um, we have several really important services coming up. Christmas Eve, we have three services, four, seven, and nine. And we need volunteers for all of those. So there's, some, there's a table. Go ahead and say, I love your table. Um, in the gym that you can sign up for. So please um, sign up, because we're going to need a lot of volunteers. And then... Sunday is actually Christmas Day, so we will be having one service, and that's at 10 o'clock, and there's a sign up there, too, because we're going to need ushers and greeters. So, thank you. Lana, what do we wear on Christmas morning? Oh, pajamas. <laughs> I love your pajamas. <laughs> thank you, Lana. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't have to be ugly sweaters. They can be beautiful sweaters. I, I did order one, but it's not, Felicia wouldn't let me get an ugly one, but it's a Christmas sweater. Deacon Amy. Good morning. Uh, out on the table in the narthex, we have the bright green flyer for the Sunday Forum. Uh, 9.15, that reminds you that this morning, Barbara Bennett is speaking about keeping the Sabbath holy and uh, practices and um, meditations that she's learning about. And then next Sunday, sacred music. So Sheila Weidendorf will be sharing uh, sacred music. Sheila brings her extensive knowledge and personal connection. So that should be really interesting. That's at 915 in the fireside room down the hall. And then this blue sheet is about all of the children, youth, and family events coming up. Um, special note is that on Wednesday or Thursday the 15th is our third Thursday family fun. So we're gathering for dinner and uh, craft projects and games on Thursday the 15th for families of all ages. Thank you. So, Carl, what's happening next Sunday afternoon? Next Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, right here, a concert of Trinity musicians, all sorts of people, uh, guitars and pianos and strings and singers, all kinds of stuff. So come at 3 o'clock, enjoy the concert. should be wonderful. All right. Next Sunday, no tickets, bring your, bring your friends. Um, beautiful decorations coming together. So many people putting decorations. Uh, the, all the windows decorated by uh, uh, Barb Emberg and uh, Carolyn Haroldson, uh, along with other elves probably helping them as well. Verna Lawson's gonna put a tree up this, uh, uh, this week. And Bill Cochran has been on the roof and all over the place on this campus all week long putting up the beautiful lights. So if you haven't been by when it's dark, do come by, it's absolutely beautiful. And when you see Bill, tell him thank you. So I guess I'd just say that. A word about uh, Holy Communion. Uh, your most important word is that you're welcome. You're welcome always. Again, uh, Jesus says come. I don't care where you've been, I only care where you're going. Come and hear words of grace. Receive the bread and wine. So you'll come down the center aisle, hold out your hand, receive the host. Um, then you'll dip it and tink uh, the host in the chalice of your choice. The first chalice have wine. The second chalice will have grape juice. We also have um, gluten-free as well. Uh, if that would be helpful for you, just let us know as you come forward. As we transition now to the table, I would invite you to stand.
we gather now at a table uh, that welcomed our parents and grandparents. We gathered a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations all across the world this day. We gather just a few miles from Bethlehem in Jerusalem. The night we remember was a Thursday night. It was an upper room in Jerusalem. It was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and broke it and gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, gifts of God for the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. of peace make us one body come O Lord Jesus reconcile your people 
one body. Come, O Lord Jesus, reconcile your set us free, O God our Savior. Come, O Lord Jesus, reconcile all nations. Come, hope of you, Make us one body. Come, O Lord Jesus, reconcile all nations. Take me as I am, Son of what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Take, oh, take me as I am, Son of what I shall be. invite you to stand. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go out those doors to make a difference in the world. You're called to be the hands and feet of Christ in a world that desperately needs you. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, Christ be our light.
of your kingdom come. 